Welcome in to the final 2019 edition of the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback Tony Pike of Reading High School. You see Carolina Panthers fame and the quarterback whisperer for many a young quarterback in the tri-state. In fact, getting ready to ramp that up. We'll tell you ways that you, the listener, can get your young quarterback son, maybe even daughter, involved in learning the mechanics of the position. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, the mechanics of the show will work like this. We'll talk some college football in the bowl season in segment one. Segment two, we'll look ahead to the NFL playoffs. And segment three, we will talk about the offseason for your oh. Cincinnati Bengals. Well, at least there are Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll the save that for the very end. The offseason. The, the off-season. worrisome part of the year now. Yes, it is. I think that's as sad as a 2-14 and 14 season is, the offseason is even more troublesome. Yep. So there you go. All right, let's talk some, some, some bowl season. We'll talk about the, uh, the the national semifinals first. What did you make of Ohio State frittering away a 16-0 lead? Was that more on some of the bad calls? And there were a couple of certainly questionable calls yeah. in that game without question. Was it more Ohio State not taking advantage of some of those early opportunities to make the lead even bigger than 16-0? Or was that that, you know what, Clemson just knows how to win? Uh, to me, I, I think Ohio State missed too many opportunities. Um, obviously, the fumble that was reviewed and called an incomplete pass was terrible I think that's a terrible call but um late in that first half it felt like the game should have been 28 nothing yes it felt like it was an absolute blowout uh like Clemson shouldn't have even been on the field and it felt like Ohio State like some people thought for most of the year was the best team in college football and I know LSU's game had a lot to say about uh their response to that but um the resiliency of Clemson to get stops when they needed to to let that or to not let that lead balloon, uh, but to me, I look at a couple plays. Obviously, Dobbins dropping the pass, which right. would have been a touchdown. Um, the Clemson safety tracking down J.K. Dobbins on the long run, which would have been a touchdown, and they end up settling for I, three. I've, I've got my sneaky big play here. I, I thought they. I don't know whose call it was, and I never, I guess, read what they tried to do on it. The the roughing the punter when they when well, they went yeah, for the block was, punt I I I don't know if that was an automatic if that yeah. was called for the sideline to rush if they just felt like I'm through I'm gonna yeah. go for it I thought that changed I a lot when that happened I mentioned UC's game against Memphis um, in the AAC championship right, right. game and UC was gonna get the ball essentially on the fifty or the plus side of the field yeah and, I think that's where the Ohio State yeah, guy and UC it was runs side. into the kicker and mm-hmm. I understand being aggressive but there's sometimes where you're like look. Our offense is moving the ball. We're going to get the ball in the fifty. Let's just let's let's play this safe. And obviously, that's not the case. Uh, you have the penalty, and then after that, the touchdown. And then what I think changed when it was, I believe, sixteen to seven. The, the Trevor Lawrence run. Yeah, but before that run, oh. Ohio State got the ball back, and they were pretty conservative. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah, they, they, they got know, the they, ball back to Clemson. Yeah, and and Clemson, what I thought hadn't been able to stop them much, and Clemson took a timeout, timeout, and then gets the ball back. I thought I thought Coach Day got a little conservative there. Um, obviously, losing uh, your safety to a helmet to helmet hit, um, which say what you want about the hit and the call that to the letter of the rule book is the rule. Yeah, it is the rule. You can yeah. disagree with the rule, but you can't disagree with the call. That was the right call in that moment if you take it frame by frame of what the defender did. But from that to Lawrence making the run at halftime, all of a sudden you felt like, man, this is. Somewhere that Ohio State could have been up twenty-eight to seven, twenty-four sure. to seven, and it, I think at that point it's, it's it is pretty much done. I, I, right. I will say, Trevor Lawrence has always flashed some athleticism, but he's known more as a passer. Yeah, that run was pretty special, and the the run was special. And, and what I was impressed with, and I don't know if it's more of a, a praise to them or an indictment, 
Chase Young was non-existent, and they weren't just no, not all the time doubling him. Yeah, they weren't just running away from Chase Young, or or all the time doubling. They were him running options at Chase Young. They were, I think, two times for sure. One on the two-point conversion, Trevor Lawrence broke contain on Chase Young's side. Uh, to me, he looked uh, a little hesitant. It, it almost looked like Chase Young is wired to say, "Hey, go get to the quarterback." Yeah, and Clemson said, "Okay, let's invite him in a little bit, and then we'll get outside." Um, and man, I, I think Chase Young. Um, if there was ever any conversation that Chase Young was going to be the number one pick, I think that changed over the last three games of the season where he had no sacks, no forced fumbles, and, and was kind of non-existent. But, I mean, at, at the end, yes, there was missed opportunities, but credit Clemson, credit. I mean, Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost as a starting quarterback. No, and, and, I, think and that, I think that shouldn't be lost, and it no. was lost on you, and it was lost on me, I think. Right. I, I think we ended up sleeping on that a little bit, and we'll, we'll get to the and championship. Look, and on their side, too. You know, a series into the game, their best receiver's banged up. That's right. T. Higgins is out, yep. and he misses the whole first half. He, the he first, came back. I, the I, first I, series he came back, I was like, he dropped two passes and looked I, bad on the other. I, I almost like, wonder, man, there's not really a, a protocol in college football, and they right. took his helmet. Remember, they took his helmet from him, yep. which usually indicates you're done for the day. And I just wonder if, if, as a coaching staff, they went and said, all right, if we can get him in just a right. little bit and try to make him just be on the field, yep. let's do that. Well, you, you mix that in with the Dobbins injury. And, and give him credit for playing through it. Right. But he wasn't the same running back in the second half. Couldn't accelerate as much, couldn't hit those openings. Yeah, he was great in the first half. Um, so, yeah, there, there was a lot that went into it. But, again, at the end of the day, where they won 29 games in a row? Yeah. yeah. I don't care who you're playing against. That's hard to do in college football. Uh, you, you played on a couple of special teams at UC. And, and, and I didn't play special teams. I just played On a couple of special oh, okay. teams okay. at UC. Um, n- none as talented, obviously, as this Ohio State team is. Um, they've got first round guys on mm-hmm. a, a lot of different places, but the how, the disappointment of, of a special season ending on a note like that is what is it is it non-existent? Is it hey we took a shot? Is it more man we could have really finished this off in a, in a, in a special way? Because I, I I still think if you played this playoff twenty times, Ohio State wins a national yeah. championship probably five of those times. Yeah, I don't I maybe don't, more. As far as Saturday night goes, I don't think the best team won. That was on the field Saturday night. I think Ohio State was the better team. And Clemson made the plays when they needed to. Yeah, uh, I guess I'd ask you, I mean, go back to maybe the Florida, that Florida team you play. Yeah. They're better, right? I mean, right. They're, they're better. Yep, absolutely. And, and I, think, I think that's the harder pill to swallow. If you come out and you get beat by four touchdowns, it's like, hey. I mean, if you're Oklahoma, it's like, hey, they're, they're, they're better. better. Yeah. They're, they're a better team. But if you're Ohio State, you have to feel. That hurts worse. Like yeah, that, that hurts season, worse. Yes. You're the team. And I thought it. We we talked about it on the show. I did. I thought it for sure. I for, thought it was a special for the season. Hey, this this is the best team in the country. They're hands down. They're showing it week in and week out. They're doing it to everybody. Um, and then they come up short. And, and I think the worrisome part when I was talking about this game going into it, Ohio State couldn't afford to have hiccups and slow starts like they did against Wisconsin. And like we've seen them kind of toy around for right. a half. Can't do that against a Clemson because. As good as your defense was, they're going to find ways to score and be explosive. And that's really what you hadn't seen this year is Ohio State give up the explosive plays, and we saw two or three of them Saturday night. Yeah. Um, go to the other game, and LSU mm. certainly was clearly the better team than, than, than Oklahoma, and we'll get to Joe Burrow here individually in just a second. I will say this. It, it's, it's been SEC and Clemson, SEC and Clemson, mm-hmm. SEC and Clemson. I think, unfortunately, for what happened to Ohio State, and what just happened to Oklahoma, 
those leagues are going to get less and less moving forward the benefit of the doubt. Now, Ohio yeah. State clearly deserved to be there. That mm-hmm. that part's not an issue whatsoever. Um, Oklahoma, it was open for debate, although yeah. the way it played out, they were probably the way the pecking order fell. They were the most deserving other team to be there. But even before the game, everybody and look, I know they had some suspensions and injuries yep. and those things. I don't think that would have matter. It would have chopped it, chopped it to a three touchdown victory, yep. whatever you want to. LSU could name its score, basically. I, I think moving forward, it does hurt some of these leagues' credibility when they want to argue we're just as good at. No, oh, yeah. you're not. I'm sorry, you're right. not. I look. I know the ACC sucks. I get it. Clemson does not. I know the SEC gets some irrational love at times, but. It really doesn't because it keeps proving it year after year right. after year. And Florida is now on the move. And Georgia isn't going anywhere. And Alabama, you know, is going to be angry Alabama next year. And Auburn's back on the move. And this isn't a one-and-done LSU circumstance. Right. I mean, dude, you're, you're going to have the SEC pushing for two a lot moving forward. Yep. Yeah. It, to me, it, I mean, it's, it's detrimental to the college football playoff as a whole because you're talking about four – um, and more likely than not, you're going to start seeing two SEC teams yes. get the nod. I mean, this year, you know, if, maybe if Georgia keeps that game close yes. against LSU, yeah. maybe they get the nod going forward over a team like Oklahoma because, it's you know, look at the Big 12 and the style of play. Already points are given up, and you could see it in the game. I wasn't just impressed with Joe Burrow. The LSU defense, right from the start, just, just went man-to-man. Kicked their ass, yeah. And it's like, hey, we play in the SEC. We challenge people every week. We feel like we're better than you, and we're going to do it. And and, and and Oklahoma had one offensive player, clearly, that yeah. could match up, and that's C.D. Lamb, and yep. he made a couple of big plays to at least get them a score. Yeah, but other than that, they don't have anything. No, not, and, not the matchup. And they against a lot of teams, the blitzes, they do, yeah. but not against, the, right. not against LSU. Couldn't pick up the blitzes, and then you look at the other side of the ball, and it's like, I mean, say what you want about the greatness of Joe Burrow, that offensive line's really good. Uh, that receiving core is really good. Is really, really stinking good. And they can run a little bit. And <laughs> their backup running back was – he ran harder than most running backs I've seen this year. I mean, it, it was incredible uh, to watch that game. It, what I ended up doing, to be honest, every time Oklahoma had the ball, I would turn on the Kentucky-Louisville <laughs> basketball game. Yeah, I was flipping a lot. And then too, I would so. just flip back and it would be like, okay, LSU's got the ball, well, I, touchdown, I, change it back. I flipped it at one point when Oklahoma had scored, I believe, to make it – 14-7. Yeah. I flipped to Kentucky Louisville. I got in trance for just a little bit. I went, oh, crap, let me a time, yep. TV timeout or something happened. By the time I flipped it back, this is no lie, 35-7. to seven, yeah. I literally audibly Incredible. went, oh, my. Yep. What? And I had to look at my phone to kind of look at the stats, and I thought, holy cow. So we were in a basketball tournament down in Lexington, and, and I, um, we had to board the bus right before the first half ended. And I really was – we were all watching more of the Kentucky game because that was at yeah. the point where, where we boarded the bus was literally the end of regulation right. and overtime. So I was – paying very little to no attention mm-hmm. to LSU. So I got on the bus, and I really didn't even look at And all of a sudden, I looked at the Joe Burrow stats. And as you know, I wear reading glasses, and I didn't yeah. have them on. I had to kind of fish for them. Because I looked down, and I thought, that looks like seven touch. That can't be right. It's got to be right. two. Put the glasses on. Like, seven touchdown passes in the yeah. first half? Yeah. You talk about putting a statement stamp on going, I'm the Heisman winner. Yeah. Y'all be damned. Boom. Yep. Yeah. It's mo- Someone had asked me last week, you know, is there a situation where Joe Burrow could do something in the college football playoff that would tell you make you second guess taking him number one overall? And yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, sure. I said, barring, you know, barring really an injury or a you know an epic collapse, yeah, five interceptions five or something, yeah, right. and he comes out and has eight total touchdowns, which to me, I mean, it's just incredible watching him play. The only thing I'll say. Why in 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 the world was he playing in the second yeah, half? That's legit, and not just playing in the second half, but. He has a, a running touchdown. Uh, he get, takes a big hit. 
there on the first drive of the third quarter. If you're a Bengal fan and, and Mo <laughs> joked about it, you you kind of just want to hey let's let's pull the plug and and uh, and and get ready for. Cincinnati. And you wonder if Clemson early in a game like that just to throw them off rhythm doesn't go after yeah, doesn't maybe blitz hits. and take a couple hits even if it makes you give up a big play to just say Ohio State we're here all day. And, and Lawrence was rattled a little right, bit early on in right, that game. So right, Yeah, you wonder if that too. Yeah. Um, it is bowl season, and, and we are doing this on a Tuesday before Kentucky plays its bowl game, before uh, uh, UC plays its bowl game. Um, so you, you've just really had kind of the two, the two championship games. But um, I'll ask you just as a fan, I, I, I love this week more than any because we get those daytime bowl games spread out. Like Monday, I was working. It was it was yeah. locker clean-out day at the Bengals, so it's mm. it's kind of the last chance to talk to some guys. And there was important things to talk about, and we'll, we'll get to the Bengals in the last segment today. But it's just as a fan, you like that when you're kind of just you, – you maybe have a work day or you're, yeah. you're kind of like on today, you're kind of just getting ready for New Year's Eve just to flip the TV on and you got football yeah. in the background all day long. Nothing better. There is nothing football better. Football day, now you're – Maybe got a little action on it. Maybe just a little. Yeah, but yeah. now you're you're budding that up with the NFL playoffs. Yep, and it's it, it is it's it's one of the college basketball in full swing, NBA in full swing. It's one of the best times of the year. We finally did see, and I didn't see it until yesterday when they promoted the UC Boston College game. Yeah, the, there, uh, there's there is now a a a yeah. sponsor for the Birmingham Bowl ticket. ticket. What is it called? Yeah, it's ticket. ticket. It's whatever. not Ticket Masters. No. It's Ticket something or other. It's a secondary ticket. Market. I, I gotta. I'm gonna have to look them up. I wonder what they're paying for that. What do you oh, think? A couple, I wonder what the couple, players get for that. Couple grand. You get some kind of like some concert tickets. For a free ticket to to some shows at like secondary locations, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Th- those acts that come to Hollywood Casino. Vince <laughs> Vince Neal is coming to Hollywood Casino. You get free you get tickets to the action. To a free show. It <laughs> was it was strange because for so long it was like, hey, it's just the Birmingham. It's just the Birmingham Bowl. Now it has an official sponsor of some kind. Good for them. What do you think of UC's chances in that game? Do you believe that they care to be there, A, and B, will 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 they win? Yeah, I, They're I, the better team. Yeah, I, I, Boston College without a, their head coach, interim coach, uh, their best player is not playing to sit out for the game. To me, I, I just think UC, it means something to them because it means something to the senior class. And the senior class at UC has meant a lot to this team. Um, and with how much they've meant to the team, I think it's only right that they lock in and go out in a fitting way with, with back-to-back 11-win seasons. Back-to-back wins over ACC, yep. Power 5 conferences. Yeah. Right, You can argue the competition level, but it's still two Power 5 wins. Ticket Smarter is the name yeah. of the bowl, thanks to yeah. our executive producer, Rob Ebel, for looking at Because I think he just bought some tickets off Ticket yep. Smarter. yep. And, and I think what you get with it, um, for me, obviously, you get the bowl practices, but next year was kind of the circled year for UC when they were supposed to have everything click in. So you build some momentum, you get some extra practices. I think it does mean more to this team. Uh, the only thing I'm interested in, it, it, the, the forecast is calling for rain heavy at times, so it should be a sloppy game. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, which I think favors what UC does yeah, really well, and yeah. that's run the ball. No question. All right, take a timeout. When we come back, we'll look to the NFL playoffs. Last segment, we got a lot of Bengals to discuss in the offseason. Lots of things that they must do. We'll see if Tony thinks of some things they must do as we continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Tony Pike from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. I saw that young man on Sunday. He was down here for the Bengals-Browns yeah. game. How about that? Yeah, yeah. The Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, for his demise. <laughs> And we'll continue. This is the Angry Quarterbacks from ESP Media. 
Get the skinny on Cincinnati sports with Richard Skinner only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. Exclusive content, in-depth analysis, podcasts, and more. Cincinnati sports news 24-7. Get the skinny only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. Welcome back in to the final episode of the Angry Quarterbacks podcast for 2019. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12. Last episode of the decade. Local12.com. That's exactly right. That's, that's even That sounds even more definitive right there. He is the real quarterback, Tony Pike. Tony, tell people, because you're getting into that offseason for young yeah. quarterbacks, you are the quarterback whisperer of the Tri-State, how people can get involved with, with having you teach them the fundamentals of good quarterback play. Yeah, CincyQBAcademy.com. Uh, you can find information on there or Anthony.Pike16 at gmail.com. Either way, um, you send a message on there, we'll get linked up. And, and now, you, like you said, it, it kind of is the time. This is a busy week, obviously, because kids are on uh, break. winter break, yep. so we can get sessions in during the morning, afternoon hours. Um, and then it really kind of revamps up into um, nights and, and weekends. And, and once the summer comes, uh, really hit the ground running. So it's a, it's an opportunity to do on-the-field work. Uh, we do film and board work. We do the mental side of the game. Uh, we do some some rehab stuff, some strengthening stuff to to make sure the uh, the elbow and shoulder are where they need to be as you well. Teach them how to use all the cliches when the media comes yep. around. Teach them all that stuff, yep. right? Teach all, them you how, know, to, how to handle media training. Yeah, I, media I, I, training. I think it's quite important. Yeah. There's, there's We're no going to bring you in for that. I'll, I'll do that. I'll you be know, a, when a, when a I'll reporter be a guest throws speaker. a 1935 recorder in your face. Yeah, what, what do you, how do you how do you how respond? Do you, handle that? do you look at it and go, "What is yeah. that? Do you try right. to eat it?" I mean, yes. what do you do? You try to knock it out of his hand because it just looks old. Yeah. Looks like a weapon. I like I like my little recorder. It works works quite well for me as you know. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it in action. I speak into it and things come back out of it it's an incredible incredible machine all right we'll talk Bengals in the last segment let's talk the NFL and and the playoffs talk first about the the coaching changes did any of them from Jason Garrett to Pat Shermer to uh um to Freddie Kitchens any of them surprise you no um when you look at Pat Shermer didn't surprise you a little no two two years in a rookie quarterback no because I, I think when you when you start talking about the NFL now it's more of a win now I mean you got uh, an opportunity with Saquon Barkley. Uh, you want to get the most out of him. You want um, coaches that are going to be able to bring players with them, and, and meaning free agents. And um, I, I just don't think Shermer um, was able to get the job done. Obviously, the Freddie Kitchens um, changes a lot because I think for so many years that's been a bad job, and I don't think it's that bad of a job right now with the roster talent. No, they I, have, I agree. I, if somebody I, the, can. The only thing I would ask you though is. They do have an extraordinarily quick hook. Oh yeah, in, in I mean that's Cleveland exactly. Now it's funny. Jimmy Haslam has not owned the team for fifty years. He's owned them for whatever, maybe a decade or so, something maybe a little longer. I, I don't know what it is. But you know who the longest tenured head coach in Jimmy Hugh Haslam's Jackson? here, Hugh Jackson. Yeah. That's incredible to me. Well, I remember when I was when I was being done and uh, getting done in Carolina. Uh, Rob Trzinski was the offensive right. coordinator there, and he was taking the Cleveland job, and it was like Cleveland was his hometown. It was a dream job, and they canned him after like half a season. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it, it just feels like that that they can't allow themselves to get – and look, I don't think Freddie Kitchens was the answer. That right. was a bad hire by John Dorsey. John Dorsey's done a lot of good things to revamp that roster, but that was not a, yeah. a, a quality hire. It, it almost felt like a disaster from day mm-hmm. one, the way they opened the season, laying an egg, committing penalties, all of those things, and it never really got better – and then I I don't even know I don't even know if Sunday loss to the Bengals was the final straw if the final straw had already been been right laid. Um, Jason Garrett doesn't is no not surprising. Obviously he wasn't even under contract. Uh, were, there, were there any guys that maybe and I'm doing this to you putting you on the spot a little bit? Any guys that that 
that survived that surprised you? Um, no, the only the only guy that I thought has lost complete touch is Adam Gase already with the Jets. I mean, he was asked about Le'Veon Bell yesterday and basically was non-committal. And that's a guy you got for three more years, uh-huh. and you're already creating rifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're kind of pushing it to the organization. I mean, he was asked, and he said, no, I don't know. Ask somebody else. Right. And it's like, okay, so they can't be on the same page. How How long is the leash there? But other than that, I mean, you look around the league, I thought – I thought Miami, for as bad as they were, he for a lot. He did great. I mean, what he was able to do with Ryan a team Flores. that was openly tanking. Tank, openly tanking. Uh, now, he wasn't. The players yeah. weren't. But the front office obviously clearly was. You traded, yeah. you traded a bunch of good parts because you were looking to the future. And they still somehow won yep. five games, including that incredible yeah. win at New England when the game actually meant something yep. to the Patriots. That I think I think Kingsbury did a, a decent job in year one. I thought he did, too. I, he did one. too. I was surprised yeah, at that. I, I, don't, I don't look at a ton of teams this year and say, man, that was that's a bad coaching staff. So... Uh, no, I think they got it right. I think there's um, there's obviously still questions to be asked about who fills into those jobs right. and things like that. But as far as the openings that are out there, um, I, I don't think they got it wrong. I think this is a league now where you, you have to put a little bit of a value on winning now. All right, so I'm going to wait for the Zach Taylor portion of this question in the next segment when we talk Bengals yeah. exclusively. But isn't, a, isn't two years too short of a window, though? I mean, I – it just feels like you just kind of get things rolling. I don't know. I mean, if we're sitting, if if, if this is the same time next year and we're two and fourteen again, and no, the, no, and I want to say that for that because I, I th- about, yeah, yeah, I think it's a legitimate legitimate question. I just feel like I think every situation is unique, though. Yeah. Too. I, I mean, I think if you take over a team that's in a window of opportunity with a roster to win and you don't win, then okay, I can see two years. Yeah. But if you're trying to, and I go back to Pat Shermer, I don't know whether he's a good coach or not. I don't follow the Giants on a, on a on a mm-hmm. you know a, a huge basis. But somehow the GM has survived this disaster, and the head coach doesn't, despite the fact that in year two you said, here's a rookie quarterback, go. Yeah, That's hard. Yeah, I, I think more of it— And the rookie quarterback openly said yeah. he wanted him still around. Yeah, I think more of it in lies with the fact of maybe how they view the in-game coaching decisions, maybe how they yeah. do the week-to-week stuff. Because yeah. I think there's an understanding of, hey, we're in a rebuild and things aren't going to— but if you see stuff that's alarming to you and play-calling— or how they handle players things during the week and players, yeah. then you have to move on from it. Yeah. All right, let's look at the playoffs, the matchups this weekend. Uh, the AFC on Saturday, the NFC on Sunday, the wild card round. Uh, Bills at Texans, Titans at Patriots. Let's start Bills at Texans. Yeah. This Bills team has won some big games on the road. This Texans team we've seen has been up and down where they can beat anybody yeah. and they can lose to anybody. Um, that said, they did a wise thing this past week. They they kept their key guys out. They're going to get J.J. Watt back. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, I look at the strength of the B- Buffalo Bills, and it's their defense, and I look at the weakness of Houston, and it's their offensive line. It's dreadful. Terrible. Um, I've, I've seen Houston score 50, and I've seen Houston score 10. Yes. You don't know which Houston you're going to get, but at the end of the day, in, in games like this, if, if I am not leaning one way or the other – I take the quarterback that I trust more, and right now that's Deshaun Watson. No doubt. No and, doubt. and for that reason, I take the Texans. Yeah, they're only a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, too. Yeah. I think it'd be hard not to play that number yep. and, and lay that number, even though it's it's always easy to look at it and go, oh, it's less than a field goal. Yeah, and I, I think Buffalo is is a team that's going to be around for a while, but they're still young in a lot of positions, and they're going to get better. I just don't think they're ready yet for that. Yeah. The other matchup, uh, the Titans at the Patriots, and I, I think it's hard to trust New England right yeah. now. I, I they just have not played. They didn't play well even at Cincinnati. I mean, the Bengals really, to some degree, outplayed them other than the turnovers. They, they were minus five in turnover margin. You're not beating any team, let alone right. New England, when you turn it over five times in a game. 
but but statistically, they held the Patriots to less than 300 yards. New England looked out of sorts. Tom Brady looked out of sorts yeah. that day. I just I can't trust them. They're laying four and a half, and the way the Titans are kind of controlling games a little bit, and their defense is solid enough. Derrick Henry has been phenomenal. Yeah, I, I I I could see them going there and not just covering the four and a half number, but going there and winning the game. Yeah, I I, I think this is my my upset pick of the first round, and and to me it goes back to last week. There is no team in the NFL that that first round buy is more important to than the Patriots, yes. um, because of age and because of injuries. And Belichick getting an extra week, you take all that away, uh, and you got to play one of the hottest teams in football in the in the Tennessee Titans. I like Tennessee to win this. Now we've seen this New England team over the last decade, right? right? When their back is totally against the wall, yep. and we've all thrown in the towel and said they're done. This just feels different. I yeah. just felt like they would come out swinging against Miami, make a statement, set a tone, and say we're taking the bye and we're ready for any comers to come here and 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 good well, luck to you. There's always been that security blanket of Rob Gronkowski. Yes, and there just isn't the, yeah, the weapons just there. are no, no longer there. Um, I'm with you. I, I love the I love the Titans in this spot to 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 pull the upset. All right, Sunday in the NFC, you got the Vikings at the Saints. Um, other than a hiccup against Atlanta for New Orleans yeah, when they lost at home when New Orleans when Atlanta wasn't playing great, although Atlanta that kind of uh, sparked them to finish pretty right. strong to the season, so maybe that that said something about about them. Um, this Saints team has done nothing to me to make me doubt them in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah, the the Saints team and, and without the greatness of Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson this year. Michael Thomas statistically has the best receiving year in the history it's of football. I mean, it's, it's crazy. One drop, he's catching eighty percent of the times that he's targeted. It's it's crazy how good he's been when every other team knows he's getting multiple multiple targets a game. Um, and can you trust Kirk Cousins in a right? Big no, game? no. And that's what it comes down to the quarterback play again. For me, the big thing for New Orleans right now, the last two weeks they've kind of got something going with Alvin Kamara, who's been non-existent throughout the year. He seems to have turned it around. And that gives them a, a viable, viable one-two option with Drew Brees at the helm. Saints are seven and a half point favorite. Do you lay it? Love it. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I think that's a, I think it's a I think it's a double-digit win. Kirk Cousins. I don't either. All right, the other one is is an interesting one. It's a Seattle team that's reeling a little bit. Lost the last two, although the last loss they came up a foot yeah. short and maybe got a bad call on an interference that uh, wasn't uh, overturned yes. in the end zone. Um, and the Eagles that have found a way to win enough to get to the playoffs despite lack of weapons. Seattle has been really good in regular season games going west to east. I think they've won their last 10 in the eastern time zone games, which is staggering for a west coast team. I think San Francisco is really good, and they're a foot mm -hmm. away from beating Frisco. Yes, I know it was at home, blah bitty blue blee That told me those teams are pretty close. Frisco's better, and they proved yeah. that they were better, even though it's a foot that they were better by, but they proved that they were better. I think the Eagles are just simply happy to be there, yeah. as goofy as it sounds. Now they're playing with house money because they probably shouldn't be there. Right. They are uh, the Seattle is a one and a half point favorite. I think I would gladly lay that and and run to the bank. Yeah, I like Russell Wilson. Uh, Marshawn Lynch will probably be better with another week of practice. And like you said, Philadelphia Carson Wentz has improved. Um, they have done it with a lot of smoke and mirrors of undrafted guys. Uh, they they have young talent that's playing really well. At the end of the year, I think Philadelphia has found something for their future. Um, they've regained that top spot in their division. I think Carson Wentz has maybe taken a step too. To, yeah, to do over, this with, over the last few to, weeks. Yeah, to do this with, with all what the, they've done it with. Yeah, they go out and get another weapon or two in the off season. Get some guys healthy. Get too. guys healthy. They're right back there. But as far as this, like I, I, I agree with you. They're 
they're happy to be here. Everything else is icing on the cake, and I think for Seattle, they're hungry to, to try to get back to that Super Bowl. All right, let's go back to the AFC for a moment where the teams that got the buys were Baltimore, which has home field throughout, and Kansas City. Um, out of all these teams playing this weekend, the, the Texans are the most interesting dark horse to me just because of Deshaun Watson and getting J.J. Yeah. Watt back. But it's it's you and I have been talking about that. I think those are the one team's your pick, one team's been my pick. Yours has been Baltimore, mine's yeah. been Kansas City. It feels like that game that's going to be the yeah. game to decide the AFC at Baltimore for the AFC Which championship. Would be a heck of a game. Be a great game. Yeah, I just why and and I think Kansas City has played scary down the stretch. I mean, their defense has played really well. Uh, their offense clicks when it needs to. Uh, but the overriding factor for me is when you get to this time of the year, Baltimore. Their their offense and their style plays anywhere. I mean, what it can I, play and, and, and in I'm, bad I'm, weather, cold weather, whatever you want to do. And it's, I, I mean, it's, dude, they played like garbage in Cleveland two weeks ago for about a quarter and a half. Yep, and still rolled up thirty one points. Right, and and actually got the ball back late and and ran out the clock. Yep. I mean, it almost feels like you can pencil in this past week. Obviously, they played all their backups and still dominated the Steelers. Yep. It, Look, as much as I love, and I think Kansas City's playing great, and that's why I think it's going to be a great game, and and I don't sell Kansas City short by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just trying to fathom in my mind, how do you beat this Baltimore team? Yeah. They get stops, they can create turnovers, they can run it. The dude led the NFL in touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. If, you know you know what the odds were for him to lead the NFL in, in, in Vegas a in the lot. preseason? 250 to 1 yeah. for Lamar Jackson to lead the NFL in touchdown yep. passes. Uh, what what he's in. Oh yeah, and he can run it too. I forgot yeah. he can run just a little. The, the only the only thing that can derail that team is you saw the scary Mark Ingram right uh, one off with an injury. He says he's going to be ready to go. Andrews has been banged up a little bit. I mean those but three, they, but they get the week off, and right. they actually technically get two weeks, two weeks off, off because they didn't play. Yeah, they're yeah, going to be healthy. The they're going to be ready to yeah. go. Um, I, I I do. I I still think they're the favorite to go through. NSC is such a crapshoot because here are the Saints, which. Um, are, are really good. They're going to have to go on the road in the uh, in the divisional round. Green Bay gets the bye. Uh, San Francisco gets the, the home field throughout. San Francisco is continuing to prove they're really good. They mm-hmm. do everything. That front that front four defensively is absurd. They're a little nicked up on the back end, but they think with a week off, uh, Jaquiski Tart comes back. Um, they'll, they'll be healthy enough. The only question I guess I would have, and the regular season is a different animal than the playoffs, is the playoffs too big for them at this stage yeah. of their kind of rise? Well, if 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 I'm if I'm handicapping the NFC, it to me it's New Orleans, Green Bay, and then San Francisco right now, uh, because I trust Jimmy Garoppolo the least. Right, and Drew Brees has been there, Aaron Rodgers has been there, Russell Wilson has been there, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is not, and there's going to be become a time in a game where he's got to put the team on his shoulder. And I, I just don't think that down that's three down three yet. in the NFC Championship right. game with a minute fifty three and one timeout. Yep, where they can't rely on that running game. Right, and they have to score points. I mean, look at the the Forty ers Ravens game in a monsoon. The Ravens were able to score on that team, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to have to score at some point. I just don't trust Garoppolo yet to do that. That's why I, I would favor the Saints. All right, so who do you have coming out of the NFC based on all of that? Baltimore, New Orleans. For the Super Bowl. Okay. I, I think I trust New Orleans the most. I just fear they're going to have to go on the road maybe twice yeah. in the in the uh, divisional round and then in the championship round. I think it's a big ask. Yeah. It feels like the last, I'm not going to say the last attempt, but the best chance that Drew Brees is going to have at this. Only problem is, let's just say, let's say it comes down to, well, I, Drew Brees going to Lambeau, though, in, in a, in a, 
in a cold snowstorm. Yeah. I don't yeah. I I I just think it's a big ass for New Orleans yeah. to go on the road twice. Yep. And I want to say I feel good about Green Bay having to go on the road once, but based on the fact that they needed that win over Detroit and just yeah. played like slop for I can't a, trust their skill guys. Yeah. Aaron Jones I mean, has I mean, been great, but the outside, they have Devontae Adams, and that's it. Really. And, and what else? Jake Kumaro. Yeah. No, he's been he's, he's been a yeah, part of it. Exactly. Touchdown Jesus, baby. Yep. All right, so your, your Super Bowl prediction, you're going Baltimore, you're going Baltimore, New Orleans. Yep. Man, I don't want to pick Frisco because I just – I don't – know if i can trust them don't be scared i'm not i'm all right i'm gonna go i think i did it last week i'm going kc green bay i'm gonna stick with my kc green bay i don't feel good about it but i'm I'm going kc green bay so so there we go all right when we come back it's an important offseason for your cincinnati Bengals. what do they do with that number one overall pick what do they do to address that offensive line what do they do to address the linebackers in the corners they're signing, AJ to, Green. Hey, they're signing a dude from Canada today. Yeah. How about big, that? It's big. Big news. Canada's yeah. leading interceptor last year. Oh, great, great. Great for him. All right. We got that to talk about as we wrap things up. It's the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Tony Pike from the James Rapine Memorial Studio and ESP Media. Getting answers. Finding solutions. Local 12 News investigates. As soon as we called you, everything happened very quickly. Not afraid to ask the tough questions. Taking action. Getting the truth. Local 12 News investigates. Welcome back into the Angry Quarterbacks, our final segment of the decade. Wow. Whew, that hits me like a ton of bricks. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com, where I serve as the digital sports editor and Ooh. columnist. Ooh. It's a big title. Wow. And I cover the Bengals on a daily basis. He's Tony Pike, the real quarterback. Um, let's talk Bengals. Um, let's talk first and foremost. D- does the win over Cleveland do anything for you? And, and I know everybody keeps talking about they wanted to have that winning feeling going in the offseason. I, I think it does. As goofy as it sounds. Yeah. I think it it does to to some degree. It yeah. gives you a feeling of remember what that feeling was like. Yeah, you got to resign Andy Dalton now. I didn't go to that. Bring him back. I didn't go to that degree. No, I think it, I, th- I think as much as we've talked about Zach Taylor's coaching, you couldn't tell that was a team with one win on Sunday. Right. They played hard. Um, executed. Executed. Joe Mixon was fantastic. I mean, just punishing punishing tacklers trying to trying to tackle him. The one the one run that set up the clinching field goal where he just tattooed the safety yep. was just broke through the line. Think about it, week 17. Right. Oh, what amounts to your fin I think it was actually literally his final carry of the season. He decides not to run around a guy, mm-hmm. not to maybe do a spin move in space yep. and just make sure I don't get hit. Uh-uh. I'm yep. seeking that cat out and I'm going through you. Yeah, that was impressive. I look at Mixon, I look at Boyd, both get to the 1000 yard mm-hmm. mark. That's back-to-back seasons for them both. So you have something to build on there. Um, think of, of the running game. I mean, there was games, what, 2, 7, 10, 17 rushing yards in a game. Yeah, they were awful early on. And Changed their scheme, and, and it worked out up, very well. And Joe Mixon gets over 1,000. and then I would have never – if you would have asked me that after week 7, I right. said, no, there's no way. Yeah, think about what the yeah, the odds on that would have been. And um, not just to go over it. He went to 1,100-plus. Yeah. Almost got to his number from last year. Exactly. And then, you know, the other side of the ball, you have um, – Nick Chubb, who's who's the was the AFC's leading rusher at the time, and he's you shut him down. And um, I thought Jermaine Pratt showed up at I different times where you game. actually noticed him mm-hmm. during the game. The defensive line was great at the end of the year. I think there's a lot of positives, but the resounding thing to me is is watching how hard that team played. It's easy if you have no wins, like we got to come out and get our win. But right. once you get that win and there's nothing else, yes, you you think you're you're going to let your foot off the gas, and they didn't. They continued to play hard, and, and, and you got to commend them for that. All right, so I, I think Zach Taylor did set a tone and a culture in that regard. Yeah. I think that's a positive. Um, but 
we were talking about coaches in the last segment getting fired quickly. This is an organization, as we know, that doesn't move on all that quickly from coaches when things aren't going well. Dick LeBeau got three years. Dave Shula got four and a half years. So they, they've been very slow to do that. And Zach Taylor, to his credit, in his postseason press conference yesterday, mm-hmm. kind of season wrap-up, talked about, no, 2-14 and 14 is, is not acceptable, that we have to completely take a step forward next yeah. season. So the question for you would be, what does that step forward look like, in your opinion? Well, you got to translate into wins. Well, okay, I mean, it, is there a number? <clears throat> I think. I mean, I think you got to get back to seven or eight wins. Okay. Um, you know, we, we we can't next year at this time be having the conversation of well, at least the guys are still playing. No, right. I agree, and I and, think he understands. Yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I think that's. I think the the spot to look for next year is, is the in-game coaching right. stuff. Of you know. When you look at why Pat Shermer lost his job, it probably wasn't because of the win loss. Probably because of relationship with players, the locker room, decisions made. That's what Zach Taylor needs to get better with. Whether that is bringing in an offensive coordinator and taking some of the work off your plate, or what that is. Well, he's got a coordinator. He's got Brian Callahan. It's right, more but I'm saying in game call. calling. Yeah, yeah. He, he needs to relinquish that. He needs to let. And that's not saying he can't be part of the game plan all week sure. and put it together. But in the game, let somebody else take care of that. You got everything else going on. Um, take a little bit of that off yourself. And if you go and draft Joe Burrow, use that extra time and, and really make that your project. Yeah. Develop Joe Burrow. So I think I think the, the question comes to the in-game coaching and, and the decisions made. Because there was questionable things that we talked about this year, the fourth and one, the fourth and inches calls where you get in shotgun and different things like that. So you want to question Although, that Although, wasn't stuff. it funny Sunday? Oh, yeah. Twice under center, quarterback sneaks. And, yep. Oh, you got first that downs. Works. Yeah. Huh. Crazy how that, incredible. How that, yeah, incredible. Feels like that. All right, so so lots of questions to ask. So let's let's start for this number one overall pick, Joe Burrow's easy in your opinion. Yes, um, but that it's it's not as easy as I think people think that it's as cut and dry as Joe Burrow. I went back and and I did this yesterday because I was I was doing Cincy three sixty this season. Joe Burrow is completing almost seventy eight percent of his passes. Which is insane. He's, you can't you can't do that. He's checking thrown it down. for over fifty two hundred yards, and he has fifty five touchdowns to six interceptions. Like that, you could say that's one of the single handedly the greatest quarterback season in NCAA history. No, no question. The worrisome part, if there is a worrisome part, go back one year to twenty eighteen. He had twenty eight hundred yards passing, completed pretty, still just, pretty good. Completed just fifty seven percent. That's his not passes. pretty good. 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah, but, so, yeah, I will say it shows he does take care of the football those two yes, years. he takes care of the football, but something along the lines changed. And that had to be part of the what's been touted as the scheme in LSU. Yeah, and, and I will say Zach was asked that yesterday, and he, he didn't get in, in, into specifics about Joe Burrow. Yeah. But the, one of the questions was about when you see a player take a step like that, right? how much do you have to factor in schematics and, right. and, and people around him and all those things? And he was pretty blunt of saying, yeah, there's no doubt about that in the evaluation process. You have to take all of that into account. It, it made up for 39 more touchdowns. All right, so and completing 20% higher Was that Joe, Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator? Was that Joe Burrow taking a step himself? I think, he Joe, just, I think it's both. I think Joe Burrow took a step and improved, which you hope that he can do again. Right. Uh, but I also think that that the scheme changed. I watched that game in in detail Saturday night, and they have a great offensive line. They have a great receiving core. They have a great defense and a great running. But his game. accuracy level, his accuracy is great. Really his pocket good. movement is really really good. good. But what I did notice, doesn't have a cannon. No, uh, that's that. There's a there's and a what nick you there. When you watch them, 
they do a lot where they line up, and right before the snap, they look to the sideline. And really, when you're doing that, I, I was the same way as a quarterback, you're getting um, help. The, the, the help. Yeah. So they're bringing him along and helping him. Now, he's got to make the throw. He's got to make the play. But to me, when you say, is it as clear-cut as Joe Burrow, that's where I say no, because it's Joe Burrow and then making sure that your system fits that, making sure that you're willing to change up a system. Maybe you go and try to get Joe Brady. I don't know. I, I don't know how you try to, to bridge that, because if, if the production is 39 more touchdowns, and completing twenty percent more of his passes, that's a big. Is that jump. worth it? That's a big. I mean jump. that because because you're the, talking about worth it to get Joe yeah, Brady. Because the the other side of it is what you resort back to that junior season, which wasn't as good. No, which was a capable third round yes, Ryan Finley exactly. performance. Exactly, and and he's went from that to the number one overall pick and the Heisman winner. I'm not saying that he hasn't improved, but there's been factors around him that helps him improve. And like you said, the the in the in play stuff. The pocket movement, the eyes, the footwork, the throws, the the placement of the throws, all that is above it. It's excellent. Yeah, I, it's, the, it's w- awesome to see. As it's, I mentioned, just, I was I was watching more of the Kentucky Louisville basketball game, but I did, yeah. I think his first touchdown, maybe his second, it was a deep corner route yep. where the corner had pretty good coverage. It wasn't great, but mm-hmm. the throw couldn't have been any more perfect. Right. right to the pylon on the money receiver didn't have to re- he had to reach out, yeah. but it was in the perfect placement where he was going yeah. to get it. No one else. He and, values he values ball security. Yes, yeah, in, and, I, and I like way. that. I like yeah. that absolutely. But but what does he do when he's got rushers in his face on right. a given day? And what does he do when they go empty and the three guys locking up on the outside can absolutely lock up guys? Right. I mean, what do you do then? Right. So the, to me, again, no, it's it's not as simple as drafting Joe Burrow. It's it is you have to re, you have to build around him. And and let's face it, Lamar Jackson on any other team in the NFL is an average quarterback. Lamar Jackson, unless a, that team tailored their, their exactly. offense to him. Lamar Jackson on a team that tailors their offense to their quarterback is an MVP. Joe Burrow on a team that just says, "Hey, Joe, go play in this system," might not be the same. Right. Joe Burrow as a team that says, "Hey, we're going to do everything we can." Whether that's you know trade up and go get Jefferson, trade up and get someone that he's familiar with, get you know someone, or or at least take the time as a coaching staff, to go spend some time at LSU. Oh, I think they'll do that. And, and, and I think you're going to get lucky. They, they, it's not, it was supposed to be announced, I thought, yesterday, and it may be today, although I think they're waiting to, to determine who the other staff will be. This staff is going to go coach in the Senior Bowl, right. and you maybe get a chance to spend some time if Joe Burrow's part of that, too, mm-hmm. which would be nice. That'd be a good head start. Absolutely. At least in the evaluation process, whether yeah. or the relationship process, either yeah, one. But, All right, so if not, let's go to the other part of this. Your fan base wants it. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but... If you took a straw poll of the entire fan base and season yeah. ticket holders and just every, let's just say the entire fan base. He's an Ohio guy. I think 85% would say, take Joe Burrow. Yeah. There's, there's obviously always. just the football aspect. You're right. going to sell more jerseys. Right. I mean, he's, he's an Ohio guy. You're going to get more people there. You're not making that choice based on what the fans want, though. You're Correct. just, you're not, it's not what good organizations do. Good organizations make it based on their evaluation. So I would ask you, though, if not Joe Burrow, then who? And then what happens if Joe Burrow goes somewhere else? And succeeds, oh. you really you run the risk across the board of just pissing everybody off. Yeah, if it's not Joe Burrow, then you have to trade the pick. I agree with that. I don't think Chase Young warranted a number one I, overall pick. I don't either now. And I don't I, think any of the other quarterbacks do. So I think you can get value if you move away from that. Now, we mentioned the offseason. To me, this is arguably the most important offseason in Bengals history. 2026 is coming up. Um, the lease. Yeah, the, the lease in the stadium is coming up. And now we are putting our faith in the organization that hasn't done anything. I mean, we you look back to the trade deadline and the fiasco. 
And you and I sat here on this show and said, you got to make a move. Do something. You, you got you to gotta send a jolt. You got you to gotta take the steps necessary. And nothing was done. Nothing was done. Now, you have the number one overall pick. You're coming off a season where you had the lowest attendance since 1993, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Um, no one's coming to the games. Uh, you tied your record for the worst record in franchise history. If none of that sparks you to be aggressive in free agency or to be aggressive in the trade market or to be aggressive in the draft, whatever would. I, I agree with that. And, I, and, and to me, that that is now what's staring this. It, the scouting department has to be better for the mm-hmm. draft. Um, if you're a free agent right now in the NFL, do you want to come here? That, that question was asked. I, again, Zach's trying to sell his, his program. Yeah. He, he seemed to say that talking with other players and, and just the vibe he gets that, yes, that some guys want to be a part of this. And I don't know who yeah. that would be. But in order to do so, you might have to overpay yes, one guy or two. absolutely. Which, okay, that, that sets a precedent that things are going to be different. You might have to do something in the trade market. You might have to send a piece that, that you, you don't want to get rid of or historically you don't want to get rid of. To me, Or allowing a player to walk. Yes. To me, there would be two or three guys that would be untouchable on this team and everything else is available. I agree with if that. If a team comes up at the, at the, the draft and says, look, we want, we want Dunlap. Okay, what do you want to give me for him? Right. We want Geno Atkins. Great, what do you want to give me for him? Right. You need as much as possible. And then, like you said, the decision to at some point you got to let someone walk. Yeah, we'll get to him in a second. So, right, so, so I want to go back to the Joe Burrow and the number yeah. one pick. It, uh, let's just say that it gets to the point where your evaluation is – he just isn't gonna. He's not gonna be a great quarterback. He's yeah. not a number one overall guy. And you trade the pick. What do you do at quarterback? Do you uh, ride Andy Dalton out for the last year yeah, of his contract and, and hope to God you can be in the Trevor Lawrence yep. sweepstakes for the next year? You would have to, um, because I don't think Herbert is worth going and getting that pick. I don't think he's going to be a, a ready guy. And I, there's so many questions about Tua. I don't think he's a guy. So uh, to me, it, it would be All right. What, what trade if you what, pick, what, what, what if you get lucky and it's the Dolphins who want to trade? They're at five, uh, if, and if, teams two, three, and four, or I'm doing this off the top of my head, are Washington, Detroit, Giants. and the Giants. In theory, if Matthew Stafford comes back healthy, Detroit doesn't need a quarterback. They yeah. may need to get one looking ahead a little bit for the future. Obviously, Washington, I think, is going to ride it out with Dwayne Haskins. Whether that works or not, I don't know. But I don't think you're going back-to-back years and yeah. taking quarterbacks. And obviously, Daniel Jones is now the yeah. Giants guy. I think if you did that, if you flipped one in five, where the Dolphins love Joe Burrow. Take two. Take two as a project. And yeah. I, you can do that with the fifth pick, in your opinion. Yeah. Two over Herbert. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so um, you would still go the quarterback route at yeah. that point? Just I don't, with, yeah, I don't think there's any way they can pass on Burrow, but like you said, I, I, I don't if, either, if they but, get there and, and they find something and say, look, we've watched 2018, we're watching 2019, and there's things that we don't like. And if that's the case, um, then, then you have to make that decision. But um, getting to this point, you know, for, for most people, it's like, okay, that's done. Yesterday I was more worried about this organization than I was during the season. Because it's such a big off season, yes, and there's so many important decisions that need to be made and have to be made. Yep, and you're you're trusting a front office that hasn't made those decisions. That is correct. And it's like, okay, my 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 biggest worry is if not now, when would it ever? No, I, I agree with that. All right, so let's move to the other guy. The guy we talked about maybe needing to let walk, and that's AJ Green. Obviously, they're they're not close. Still, here we now finally are in the off season. Now they have a decision to make of of extending him for long term, which is going to cost you money. Um, putting the franchise tag on him, which he continues to be clear of, that's fine, do it. I'll be there yep. for training camp, and that's about all I'll be there for. And um, I I wonder if, again, he gets his first owie if we don't get the same scenario mm-hmm. this year of, listen, man, I ain't going to play for right. this when I'm, I'm going to be a free agent again. 
And le- the only other thing I've come up with, and we've talked about this, is if you do tag him, you have to have already had a trade in place with somebody that gets you more right. than a third-round pick. Because if you do let him walk as a free agent, and he mm-hmm. goes somewhere and he has a good season, you will get a third-round pick in the 2021 yep. draft as compensation. So any move you make trade-wise has to mean that you are getting at least a second-round pick or multiple picks mm-hmm. for A.J. Green. Which you could have this year. Which you could have this year. Yeah. I think I'm of the yoke of working phones and trying to tag him and trade him. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm at with it. I, I don't see a scenario where you bring him back under any no. circumstance. Under the tag or under a long-term deal to, to, to throw money at him. I just, yeah. I, I can't do it. I'm sorry that I can't. I can't do that. And I know fans are screaming and thinking, got to have A.J. Green and you got to have him with a rookie quarterback. I'm not trusting a dude who's played one game in the last 24 to be healthy yeah, fully. His, his comments have been a little off the wall of he hasn't lost a stay. He hasn't played. He hasn't, you haven't played, right? He wants Julio Jones money. Julio Jones has played. Yes. Um, I know what your past yeah. tape has showed me, guy. Right. I do. I know it. Yep. I know what Jerry Rice's past tape would mm-hmm. show me. I'm not signing Jerry Rice today. Right. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm not signing Randy Moss today. I know what Randy right. Moss's tape showed me. Damn, that dude was good. Yep. I ain't signing him today. I, I go back to, to keep it very very simple. We just talked about Joe Burrow and and building around Joe Burrow. You know what's not good for Joe Burrow? A receiver that's not going to be there for OTAs and a receiver that wouldn't be there for for uh, training camp. Yeah, I think he'll be there for training camp. He even yeah. said I need – but the question is how much of training right, camp. Right, exactly. A couple weeks, get himself yeah. in shape gonna, and go. Going to do some individual stuff. Yeah, like, pl- play game three for a few snaps right. and I'm good. Like you need to build a rapport with a rookie quarterback. Um it was interesting. And this is such a deep drafted wide receiver yeah. that I'm telling you, you're getting a good guy in round two. You're Absolutely. getting a really good guy in Absolutely. round two. Absolutely. And if you are aggressive in free agency and you can find a right tackle that way, yes. you have Jonah Williams at left, you have Trey Hopkins now in your center. You've solidified that. You can that. then get a receiver and address your defense. Because let's face it, you got a thousand back-to-back thousand-yard rusher and yes. Joe Mixon. Who's, you have to make a decision We're, we're going to get to him in a second. Um, I got a bunch of questions here. But for me, and I look at the A.J. Green situation, and Mo, made this, Mo Egger made this point yesterday. People crushed Carson Palmer because they said he quit on this team. Essentially, what did A.J. Green do? In a different way, because he didn't come out and say it. Because here's the thing. You can't, I can't, Mo can't, fans can't. No one can definitively say... Right. Was he healthy or not? Right, right. I but, mean, you can't. But what people but can I also say think, is, I also, man, I also I think this. Pre-game. I think the guy was was way planning on coming back after that bye week, mm-hmm. and something changed. Yep. I mean, we, we look at the timeline that we went through. A full season of not playing when the initial timeline was probably back for Pittsburgh. And look, yes. I know every recovery is different. We were, every injury is different. We were at the stadium that day when they announced it at training camp. It was raining outside. Yep. They had brought practice in. Zach Taylor makes it. And everyone's like, well, it's a worst-case scenario. And they're like, ah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And then it's not Pittsburgh. And then you get to the deadline. It's day-to-day, day-to-day, day-to-day. And then you have the Baltimore fiasco. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, when you keep hearing day-to-day, that sounds like the coach is expecting any day now for him to go. You just don't do that if it's a serious injury. Right. And then the the whole Zach Taylor, he's going to go this week, he's practicing, and then he doesn't practice that day. Then he doesn't play. And then, you know, guys are going out of their way to say, man, A.J. Green looks so good warming up, mm-hmm. looks so good cutting in and out of routes, making catches, and you don't see him at all. He is essentially, to me, the way I view it, quitting on that team. No, and, he, and, he, and made, you, he made a business decision. Right, and you could say, And now it's time for I the Bengals it. to make a you business don't decision. Come back for, you don't want to come back on a bad team and risk getting hurt. I get it. But essentially, you're quitting on the team, the same team that's got Tyler Boyd crawling 
to stand up and, and, and get a place so they don't have a 10-second runoff. Joe Mixon running Joe like Mixon, a banshee yes. in Week 17. Joe Mixon playing sick the week before. Yeah, wait, there, I didn't, yeah that too. I mean, you got guys that are giving everything. you got a guy that's like, eh, I'm not doing it. And he he's talked about, I'm, it's business. Correct. I get, And that's the thing. I do get his side of this. I yep. fully do understand it. But it doesn't mean I'm going to pay you. Correct. And it doesn't mean I'm going to pay you long term. Correct. And it means I can franchise tag you and deal you. Or I can just let yep. you walk, get a third-round pick, and let's just move on. Action-wise... He treated this almost like the Carson Palmer situation. Yes. But what he came out and said was that I want to play. I want to be back. I'll get healthy. I want to play. Everything. He said the right stuff, but the actions didn't match it. Yep. Carson Palmer just came out and said, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And it was very clear. So I think that's what basically what AJ is trying to do right now is say, look, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. And in the nicest way possible, he doesn't want to be here. Oh, I think he'd be here if you gave him four well, years and four years. Yes. Yeah, but by saying but it's a franchise it. tag, he's like, no, yeah, no, I'm out. I, yeah. don't, I don't want to be here. Yeah, yeah. All right, Joe Mixon will be entering the final year of his rookie contract in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has more than proven over the last two seasons, and especially in this lost season, that he's a guy to build around. Yeah. And the big payday for anybody in the league, you were in the league, you unfortunately for you, you did not get mm. to a second contract, yeah. but that's the big contract. I yes. mean, your, your rookie deal for some high picks, a first round pick, a rookie deal is a nice payday, but your your big payday is that second contract. Mm. And that's where Joe Mixon is going to be heading towards after the 2020 season. Yes. So Joe Mixon is now at a leverage point, much like A.J. Green in this year was kind of at a leverage point. And Joe Mixon, after I talked to him yesterday, and and we asked him about, and I asked him about, uh, you know, would you like to see an extension worked out? He was kind of in the A.J. Green mode. He was a little more couched in what he said of, I want to be a Bengal. Mm -hmm. I want to be here long term. I think I've put enough on tape. Um, But he did say, at some point, if it comes down to me having to think about me, I'm going to think about me. You have to. Which he didn't specifically say, I will hold out or I will not participate in voluntary offseason stuff. But I can see that happening with him as well, that if you don't come to an extension, right. I'm not getting hurt on my on, on time that's voluntary. I'll be there when I have to be there. And I think Joe would, I don't think Joe would hold out. I think Joe will play hard. Mm-hmm. But I feel for running back. I feel for those yeah. guys in that contract year because you are one hit away from, you th- thought you were getting a big payday coming in your free agency year. You get hurt and you lose that. I think the Bengals should get this done. Yeah. Take let AJ Green walk. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I think you spend money. I'm no longer looking at the draft, believe it or not, for offensive linemen. I'm done with yeah. it. I, I'm now looking at veterans who have played yeah. in this league and played successfully because it's too much of a crapshoot otherwise. Mm-hmm. I want to see proven NFL offensive linemen. So I'm using my free agency dollars there, maybe at linebacker and maybe at corner, yeah. I, I, that, but I'm I'm not going to work on the draft. Yep. But I am going to spend some of my free agency money that's been set aside, maybe for A.J. Green, yep. and I'm using that towards extending Joe Mixon. Am yep. I wrong? No, no. I, and look at Joe Mixon. The year number one, it was the fiasco of trying to play Jeremy Hill. It was Giovanni a three-headed Brown, monster. It was a joke, and he back proved to, back, to be the best back yeah. in the field when the year was done. Back-to-back 1,000-yard back seasons behind a bad offensive line. And this year really was the leader of the team. I mean, never wavered nope. with the media, always stayed positive, said the right things, did the right things, played his butt off, 
that's a guy I want to build around. I agree. That, he that's will, a guy he will that turn, I want. The other part, he will turn 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I think his, his birthday is July 25th, yeah. which is basically when next train. He'll turn only 24 years old. Yeah. I did some math on this. He's averaged 18.2 touches per game mm-hmm. in his three years, so there's not a lot of tread right. on those tires. Yep. Christian McCaffrey has touched it. I believe it's 25-plus times per yeah. game. And, I, look, the guy's obscenely mm-hmm. good. 1,000, 1,000 is just ridiculous. But I think that I, – I, look, I worry about second contracts and, and, and contracts for older running backs. Yeah, not Joe, Joe doesn't have a lot of tread. He's only going to be 24 years old. And I thought he showed great yeah. leadership in performance and some other things yeah. this season that I'm going – That's a guy he I wants want an extension with my rookie yeah, quarterback. I'll give, him, I'll, I'll give him four years on – or three mm-hmm. years on to, to, to the deal – We'll give you some money, and that gets you through seven years, and then we'll make another yeah. decision on you at that point. I think that's fair for both sides. Yeah. I, I do. That's that's a guy I want in the backfield with my rookie quarterback. Yes. But in order to do that, you can't have both. We've talked about this for the, for years. You can't have A.J. Green back, and you can't put money into Joe Mixon. Yeah, because you, ha- you, you have money to spend the, elsewhere. Right, And you right. want to be aggressive. You're already going to hopefully get helped out by losing the Andy Dalton year. Yes. You can move him. You're going to get help with a rookie quarterback salary. And then you can get help with A.J. Green. So there's a way to, to have money to spend. There's a way to do things. But, you again, you have to trust the organization is going to be competent in doing that. And I don't feel that trust. And that, and that to me. And then I think the last aspect is, and we, we I didn't mention this with Joe Burrow, I think you got to bring in some type of veteran Yeah, I do, t- I do too. Um, yeah. I look around the NFL, and people ask about Baker Mayfield. Um, do you know Baker Mayfield's backup quarterback? I, I should and I don't. Yeah, it's a it's second year. Oh, guy it's Garrett from, Gilbert. Yes, Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert's probably not he, helping. He played in the AAF. Baker Mayfield a lot. He played in the AAF. Right. You know what? You know who does help, even though he maybe struggled at times. Robert Griffin helps Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. Um, veteran quarterbacks in the NFL have a huge, huge say in, in developing a young quarterback. I don't think he'd come back. I'm not so sure. I don't bring AJ McCarron back. Right. Somebody along those lines. Ryan Fitzpatrick would be yes, perfect. Be to me. perfect. Um, but look at it. Look at a guy, either you have a quarterback uh, or a, you have a coach that can help a young quarterback or you have a veteran quarterback that I think, can do I think so. you have both. Right. But you look in, in these different areas, there, there's a reason that young guys have success, and that's because they, they can learn the ropes. Not, it's not just about on-the-field stuff, how to film study, what to look for in film, how much time to spend on film, what to watch in film, what to do with your free time. There's all kinds of stuff as a rookie quarterback that's going to be asked to turn around this franchise. And I ain't having sleepy man on the bench to, to, exactly. to tutor him. Who's trying? He's exactly. trying to win the job himself too, exactly. right? I mean, right. you can't trust. And that's that. Ryan Finley, by the way. Yes, you can't trust that. He was awake Sunday. That was good yeah. to see. You was, need a veteran in there. <laughs> a positive. All right, so that brings us to Andy Dalton, who is a veteran, mm-hmm. still has another year on his contract. I do think you obviously try to move him. I think that's a given. Um, I think Andy fully is aware of that, and he made it clear on Sunday he still thinks he can be and wants to be a starter in this league. And if you draft Joe Burrow, uh, unless you decide to do what they did with Carson Palmer when they had John Kitna, which was bring him along extremely slowly, didn't even play a snap, I don't believe, his his rookie year, didn't certainly do anything, could you go that route? Um, Or is that a last-ditch scenario that if you just don't find a market for Andy Dalton, and I think you will, I don't think it'll be great, but I think you will find a market for Andy Dalton. Could you go that route of having Andy be back for a year and maybe at the trade deadline you take one more swing at getting some value for him? Again, if you get no next to no offers, and I think you will. I think there will be a market of some kind for Andy Dalton. Uh, If you don't get any offers, maybe, but Andy Dalton very clearly wants to be a starter in this league. So if Andy Dalton's back, then you're basically saying, hey, we're drafting Joe Burrow, but we're going to let him learn behind Dalton for a year. 
And if you want to do that and you make that decision based on your scouting department and what you feel Joe Burrow is ready for, great. Um, but you also have the, uh, the understanding that Andy Dalton's not going to just openly say, hey, I'm going to come back and be a backup for a year. Yeah. I mean, he wants to play. Uh, he wants to start in this league. So I think that'd be a, a tougher dynamic. I think you got to do all you can to, to move on from Andy Dalton. And again, that creates more money to go out and spend yes. maybe on a right tackle. Yeah, on maybe a linebacker, on a, on, linebacker. A cor- on a corner. Exactly. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and you find that money elsewhere. All right. Tony, enjoyed it all year, man. Yeah. All of this sums up to one thing, and that's we have to trust this organization. I don't. For I, the next couple I, I don't. I don't. I don't feel that trust factor, T Pike. I really don't. All right. Appreciate it as always. Again, uh, you guys, if you're a young quarterback and you have a young quarterback out there, give them one more time where they can find you to help them learn the position. Cincy QB Academy. Where Joe Burrow can call com. Joe Burrow. Joe yeah. Burrow, if you're listening, call this. D- yeah. Go to this website. CincyQBAcademy.com. There you go. He'll teach you everything, Joe Burrow. Just come see or, you know, if Zach Taylor needs someone to mold Joe Burrow when he gets into town, I'd be happy to go on. You're, you're the man. I would go on staff. Only if I could continue doing this show. Yeah, well, I think that's a given. You know, yeah, really give you an insight. Which the great part is, you'd be on the staff and then be criticizing the coach yes. on, the, on the staff. I would have like you crushing me, like all oh, Burrow through three picks. Yeah, quarterback coach doesn't yep. know what he's doing. But at least I can have you in to answer those questions, yeah. all right? At least you know, I'll be right yeah, there. Let's to have an say, open forum. I, I think that's I think that's always a good thing. Yeah. I think that's great. All right, I appreciate it, Tony. Enjoyed it as always. Yeah. Thanks to our executive producer as well, Rob Ebel, and thanks for you guys for listening. This has been the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast, the final one for the decade of the teens. Of the tens. Thanks for being with us. From your friends at ESP Media.